Let's begin chapter 8. We looked at verse 1. Um, now the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest. The word have. So in the morning, I talked about the different uh, interpretation translating in, in this word echo as have or as is. Pastor should be able to um, have the exact um, interpretation. That's why you guys need a person like me. So your pastor ministry must have either two, two directions. Whether you are a leader of this generation, if you are, then God will give you that the truth. Or am I the follower to, to follow the leader? And if you are a follower, you should follow that leader. This is the sign of these two lamb stems. If you consider me and if you think, if you agree to me that I'm your leader, then you should be able to give up upon all the, all the past truth that you used to have. And last for last 20 years, there was no one who who stayed uh, who who stayed in in Zoe ministry having their own truth. They all left already because because it is all being mixed, and this truth cannot be mixed. So you need to make a right decision. Do you, are you going to um, re, uh, accept the truth of Yolbang uh, Zoe ministry as a, as a real truth? Are you going to accept uh, Pastor Mino Kim as your true leader? Then you should put your life and, and you, should, you should put your life upon this truth and follow me. This must be clear. So just following here and there, and let me just attend Zoe ministry for a while. I will surely tell you, for those of you who are doing like that, it will be better for you to not just jo join ministry. It'll be dangerous for you to do, do so. Because I've seen, I've already witnessed many people uh, falling into ruins after doing like that. But if you think that it is the truth, and if you are, if you have decided to put your life upon this truth, then you should give up upon everything that you have and follow me. Okay, let's continue. So we do have such a high priest. And because we began from chapter 7, we, we uh, didn't look at uh, the previous chapters, but I told you that Hebrews is the book of Christology. The whole book of Hebrews is talking about who Jesus is. So we need to know exactly about these two books, Mark and Hebrews. And we cannot go over all of those texts. But if when we if we look at uh, chapter one, let's let's turn to Hebrews chapter one. Who is Jesus? Hebrews 1 and 2 are in one section. Okay, we, we have our ice cream here. Okay, let's eat our ice cream.
okay? Get your ice cream with your mouth, eat your ice cream, and, and with your ears opened, with your spirit also being opened, listen to the message. Hallelujah. In chapter 5, verse 5, our Lord Jesus was a royal son and he was also a royal priest. And his identity as a royal son appears in the book of Mark more precisely. He is son of God who rules over all universe. And he is also the royal priest who opened us the way to go before the Creator. So Hebrews chapter 1 is about Jesus' divinity and chapter 2 is about his human nature. And in chapter 1 verse 2, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. So at the end time, God only will talk through his Son. So we wouldn't have to listen to God's voice and, and God will not do that way anyways. So when you say that you have heard the voice of God, I'm pretty sure most of them would be voice of the Holy Spirit. I preached a series of sermons about listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, but listening to the Holy Spirit is not, not a method. It's not about the method. It's having the right relationship with God, then it will be, happen to you naturally. I've raised my six children, but, but never have my six children tried to, to, to listen to my voice. Because they are in a relationship with me, they naturally hear my voice. So when you listen to the voice of the Lord, the relationship is the most important. So when I hear many um, mission, missionary organizations, they give you out many methods how to do. But listening to the voice of God is not about how to do. It's about your relationship with the Lord. So when you say you are hearing the voice of God, it's mostly voice of the Holy Spirit. But there is a structure how you would listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So it's rather than Holy Spirit speaking directly to you with a language. But it's rather like a wave, certain um, certain wave that you can feel within your spirit. So you need to catch that wave. So for example, like like this moss sign, the one who is catching the sign will will uh, figure that out and say, "Oh, it's S O S." So listening to the Holy Spirit's voice has similarity to that. The voice of the Holy Spirit will appear in you like a wave. So if you have a sound relationship with the Holy Spirit, you will be able to sense or interpret what He is saying. Why? My mother tongue is Korean. And when someone says, when someone speaks in English, 
I will naturally listen to that language and translate it in my head in Korean and understand it. So, voice of the Holy Spirit is similar. So, if we can say in that way, the Holy Spirit's voice is probably the language of God, but our personality have a limitation of a human being, so we have to interpret that wave and turn it into our own language. For example, I'm a Korean. When, when you say uh, if a person, if a Korean is speaking well in English, it means that he is good at translating English into Korean very quickly in his head. Living with Holy Spirit has similarity. If your relationship with Holy Spirit is intimate, you will instantly know what he means. This is the people, uh, um, image of the people who is living with the Holy Spirit. This is the way that you are listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Do you get it? But sometimes our Lord Jesus can personally talk to us. And when Jesus talks, he will enter into our our place, and it will affect it will affect our our um, our ears, and it, you will have only few events of these kind of things in your lifetime. So when Paul was in in the uh, in in Turkey, Holy Spirit stopped him from going there. But Paul didn't catch his voice, so Paul insisted to go. But Jesus Himself came, and then He stopped him from going to Rome because it was dangerous for him to do so. So when we say that we listen to the voice of God, it's usually the voice of the Holy Spirit. You need to be intimate with the Lord and you need to be able to catch catch what he's saying but it's not difficult if you have a right relationship with the Holy Spirit you will easily be able to translate what he's saying so if by any chance if you have heard God's voice then that person probably should need to get ready to die because it's not not we are not living in a time that God is directly talking to us so you need to have a right relationship with the Holy Spirit first and when God appears to you directly and when he says the Lord of Lord Lord of all kings is speaking to you then you should you should think that oh I I need to get ready to die so what I'm trying to say is God God doesn't talk to you directly in this age so in verse 2 uh, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son he's speaking only through his son and Hebrews is keep talking about the voice of the Holy Spirit and who are we? We are the people who do not have to listen to others' voice. Jesus himself will personally allow all to know 
allows us to to realize everything. So all we have to do is to focus on what he's saying to his voice. We shouldn't focus on the world's noise. We need to focus on God's voice only. We need to be able to see everything through God's voice. You shouldn't focus on, on the voice of the people, nor the sounds of the devils. That's, why, that's where the delusion is coming through. So you should consider listening to the voice of the people after you hear the voice of the Lord. So when someone is speaking to you, you should at least be able to discern whether he, um, whether he is speaking through God's will or not. For the last 34 years, I've been training that way. So when someone's, someone says meaningless things to me, my ears get shut automatically. So I will just say, okay, okay, okay. When someone says vain things, I, I begin to I begin to shut my ears. So, so I automatically sense the anointing through that person. So I I rarely experience the loss of the energy during my days because I don't I don't um, care about these meaningless things that people say. So it's so important for you to um, discern when you do hearing and speaking in a right way. You will have probably thousand times stronger spirituality than now. What does that mean? So through what you hear and through what you speak comes the laws of your spiritual energy. Whenever you say meaningless things, it brings the laws of your spiritual power. Whenever you hear meaningless things, it will bring a loss to you. So all you have to do is continue to focus on the voice of the Holy Spirit. And when you follow and speak through what God is speaking, then, then you will experience the spiritual growth. So you should, you should have these fundamentals of speaking and hearing. And if not, you will lose, you will lose your authority of your speech. And as I said about my story, as I testified, in the beginning of my spirituality, God trained me to, to wear a mouth gag so that I cannot, I cannot talk well. And during that time, I was able to meet him privately. So over 13 years, I was trained like that. God stopped me from doing anything. You don't have to go through the exact same process, training process like me. But God really considers speaking really important. And if you do not consider, uh, if you do not concentrate on God, if you are key focusing on the word or or the people and trying to receive information from them, you don't die because of lack of information. The matter is that whether you have a right information or not. 
Amen. So when God says He will speak through His Son, it means that we have to hear His voice. Amen. So the moment that I begin hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, from that moment, I never lost um, His voice since then. So even now, when He is speaking to me, I, I know, I know whether He is speaking to me or not. So the devils can never imitate the Lord. I will never turn my ears to the world. So I will not go through, I will not experience the laws of the Spirit. But many of you who are not used to these kind of things, you will uh, experience lots of deceptions. So you should have, uh, you should have listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit as your first principle. So habitually, you should be able to maintain this dependent status. Lord, talk to me. Always. Lord, what, what does this mean? Lord, how should I react? You should be able to continuously lift these kind of questions to the Lord, whether you hear the voice of the Lord or not. In every circumstances, you should have the first principle to put the Lord before. Lord, what does this mean? Lord, how should I react? Lord, is this the right place or not? Lord, should I do this or not? Continuously, you should be able to throw these kind of questions before Him. Then, at a certain period of time, when your relationship with the Holy Spirit is becoming healthy, you will begin to hear His clear voice. And when you begin to uh, focus on his, uh, his voice, He will begin to talk to you in all circumstances, just like David. You talk to Him, and He will even question to you. That's the true meaning of the relationship. God will talk to you through His Son at this end time, in these last days. So you should not allow any other things to talk to you besides of the Lord. When the devils first come to you and talk to you, then it's a dangerous thing. And in our churches, there were people who are like this, who, are, who, who came to me and said, Lord, uh, Pastor, God told me this, God told me this. And I always answered them, well, God didn't tell that to me. And, and, and is it possible for God to tell, tell his church members about the plans for the future without telling his pastors? Then it means that you should be the pastor. Always. There are 13 uh, prophets in our, in our church. When I confirm something uh, from God, I confirm, uh, confirm the revelation or inspiration through those prophets. For the most time, um, I wouldn't have any problem. But if, by any chance, if, if, if what prophets are saying is different from what I heard, would I, do you think I would, I would have a conflict? No. No. Always, I'm the right one. <laughs> Why? Because, because I'm the leader. That's what kind of relationship I have with God. So over, over 34 years, God never broke that rule. 
because I made a rule to put God's voice in the first place. I never considered myself listening to the voice of the people without listening to God. Because I believed in this word, I will talk to you through my son in the last days. And I put my life on this truth. But many people listen to meaningless voices and they decide their life upon those words. Of course, in your perspective, you should, you should acknowledge the voice of the leaders as voice of God. If you begin questioning every word that I say, and if you question that to the Lord, Lord, is that right? Is that right? Is that right? Then your, your life will be tiring. So just so do whatever you want. Do not doubt. Just do not doubt. So wouldn't it be better for you to just accept it by faith? Okay, let's continue. So in verse 2, whom he appointed heir of all things. What does it mean? Jesus entered to the glory of heavens as a representative of the all humankind, and he became the heir. And also, he brought the authority, uh, that qualification as an heir to all of us. He shared that leadership to all of us. So because he's the heir of all things, um, everything is upon his will. So the only thing that we have to do is to follow his will. And what else? And through whom also he made the universe. Because he's a creator. And when he created the all creations, God gave, uh, shared him the same will and purpose to him. So all our plans and our goals must be set on him. We should not have our own plans and purposes. Because God is still leading us with his best scenario, we should not hinder him with our own plan and our own methods. Galatians is saying that it is not me who is living, but it is Christ who is living in me. So it is not me who is creating or writing the story or the scripture of my life. It is, it is him who is living for me. So it's so easy and simple. But why is it not easy and simple? Because you don't believe in His promise. So when you become more intimate with Him, you will experience it becoming so simple. There's nothing to be complicated. He will live for you. He will lead you to the best. Amen? What else? What else is He saying? In verse 3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. So God's glory has been shined through him. And when you saw God's glory in the Old Testament days, you died. But now the same radiance is, is coming at us through his son. Just as 1 Corinthians 4 says, 
God now tells us to see the light coming out, coming from the face of the Lord. And in verse 3, um, it says that the, the exact representation. And, and Jesus came in the image of God. So we should see that image and we should see the, the essential light which is was coming from his face. This is such a tremendous privilege. And we call those angels who are standing next to God's throne as cherub. Because they're reflecting the color of the fire river that is running next to the throne of throne of grace. That's, that's why we call those angels cherub, which means red. And most angels have only one pair of wings. See, those of you who can, can see the angels, usually they will have only one pair. But cherubs, they have three pairs of wings. They do not leave their place away from, from the throne. Of course, they are not staying in the sanctuary, the heavenly sanctuary. In the heavenly sanctuary, uh, the Lord is there, Jesus is there. There's the headquarters to decide all the histories of the individuals, the people, and the nations. And the cherubs are guarding the outside of the Holy of Holies. And these archangels, they are waiting for the Lord outside of the Holy of Holies because no one can enter into that place. But can, but who can enter into that place? You. You. Amen. So these cherubs, they have three pairs of wings. So how holy would they be? Because they are staying next to the Lord. But with, with a pair, they are hiding their eyes. They, uh, with, with another pair, they are covering their feet. And with another pair, they are flying. Why are they covering their faces? Because they cannot see, see the light coming, coming from his face. But God is even asking you and demanding you to look at that light. So do not consider this lightly. When you believe in your dignity, you will be able to believe in this too. Now you should be able to see the light that is coming from his face. So from Ezekiel, uh, from, from Ezekiel chapter 40 appears the story of the millennial kingdom and Jesus will be enthroned as a king. But only the royal priest um, can, can see him face to face. So look, so on this earth, we should be able to throw everything away on behalf of him, for him. Why? Because I have the qualification to meet him face to face. What else can we not do? Amen? How can we lose this privilege of glory? And when God entrusted this amazing dignity and glory to us, how can we forsake that? That's why we put our life on this holiness. So there's not much of a thing that we should do during our life. Only thing that we need to do is to put our life on His Word and just to accept His holiness. Then, then gradually, gradually, you will go near to His glory and you will be able to see His face. In 2 Corinthians 13, he says, 
look at the face of him, look at the face of God. Even though it is vague, uh, see his face. So this is actually the face that you will see in the millennial kingdom. But now we are, we are um, now seeing him only through the spiritual eyes, so that, that, that's why it is saying that we, his face is fake. But in first John, but in first John he said that when we go to his kingdom, uh, he said that we will see the exact face that we are seeing him on this earth. So when we, when we meet him in heaven, we should be able to confess and say, oh, it's the same face that I, I used to see on this earth. It's the same face. Oh, let's confess like this. Oh, it's the same. It's the same face that I used to see every day. You should realize, oh, we are such a tremendous being. We have the qualification to enter into the Holy of Holies, even the archangels that cannot enter. Even the archangels cannot see his face, but we have the qualification to see his face. So what other light on this earth do we need? What other glory on this earth that we need? Amen? Let's continue. Verse 3, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So, so what is sustaining this earth is his word. Scientifically, you can explain why the moon is rotating around the earth. You can, you can say many things, but we don't have to be that complicated. We should say that because the word of the Lord is sustaining the moon, that's why it is floating over there. All the stars and galaxies, the reason why they are staying in order is because of the is because the word is holding on to it. So without the word holding on to them, nothing can exist. That's the authority of God's word. And that word is indwelling in you. Amen. So, so that's why these angels are angels are so envy about you. That's why they adore you so much. Oh, these these human beings, they seems like nothing. But why, why does God love them so much? Because angels were not created in the image of God. Only us, we are created in the image of God. We only have this implication of his life. If you do not believe in this dignity, it's such a curse. You should be able to believe in this. Let's confirm one another. Let's ask one another. Do you believe in this dignity? Do you believe in this dignity? Truly? Let's confirm one another. Let's ask one another. Do you believe in this dignity? How magnificent. And also, and also, after... Uh, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Oh, never mind. After he had provided purification for sins. 
So this is something that we should explain later while explaining the ministry of the heavenly sanctuary. But the the word the, the phrase itself has a meaning that that he nullified all the uh, um, effect of sins. So all the process of grace is not being forgiven from the sin, but rather erasing the sin itself. So we'll continue to uh, explain that in chapter 8. And also, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So in heavens, it means that he's above the heavens. It means that he's in a different dimension. But look, just like Ephesians 2.6, just as uh, when we are being saved, we are—we were also put in the same throne that Jesus was sitting. So essentially, we are sitting on the right side of God. So essentially, all our flow of our life must come from the throne. So when Paul says, look for the things above, it means that we are the being who are living through the things that are being provided from above. So let's say I'm staying inside of a door. Let's say if I stretch my arm outside the door, am I inside the door or the outside? It's only my arm staying outside of the door. It's the same. So our exist existence is already in the heavens. Only it's like the arm which is staying outside the door, we are staying on this earth. You should be able to believe in that. Ephesians is clearly saying that you have been put in the, in the throne. Jesus made us his children. And he gave us all the authority of rule to us. This is the essence of his love. Jesus alone should have the qualification to to be an heir, but he he shared that to us. So he he gladly became the firstborn. Jesus shared all his dignity to us. It's impossible for us to understand. But why? Because of his love. So how dare can we betray his love? How dare can you have any idea to betray his love when he loves us so much? How dare can you love when he loves us so much? Raise your hand if you're like that. That's, that's one mystery that I can never understand during my ministry. How can you receive such a great love and still love the world? Still having something that you love more than God. Please explain how it is possible. How is that possible? So just just speak honestly. I don't believe in my uh, uh, I don't believe in my dignity. I don't believe in God's love. Then I would understand. Oh, that's that's why. But you are still saying that you love God. You still say you believe in God. You still say you are living by God. But you still love the world. What's what's real? Please tell me. 
Tell me, Yolbang's church, what's real? Please tell me. Please tell me. Which is real? Which is real? So it's impossible. When you understand his love, so this must be the only purpose or only goal for us loving God alone having God everything for our life so there's nothing on this earth that we should do just as Deuteronomy says love God with your all your strength your thoughts and your mind that's the ultimate purpose of our life Amen. So this power of the blood comes from that love. Those who believe in this love will be able to believe in the power of that blood. So power of the blood is not a magic touch that happens just once. Jesus, because he loves us so much that he gave us his, his blood, just... Just like when a married couple loved each other so much that they give birth to a child, he gave his life to us because he loved us so much. So his blood is the evidence of his love. So when you receive this love, you will be unable to love any other things. How dare can you love human beings and still, still you say that you love God? Tell me, tell me what's the secret. Loving God and at the same time loving others too. So it's a fraud. It's a fraud. It's impossible. It can never happen. You cannot love other things while loving God. So this is who our Lord Jesus is. Okay, let's return to chapter 8. Uh, when should we finish? <laughs> Ay, ay, ay. Okay, let's continue. From verse 2 to 5, we will see Jesus who became the high priest who came in the order of Melchizedek doing his ministry in the heavenly sanctuary. Of course, this ministry uh, continues in chapter 9 and 10, but let's begin to uh, look at it from verse 2 of chapter 8. And who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord. So Korean translation is the sanctuary and the tabernacle, but you should you should translate it as sanctuary, which is the true tabernacle. So it's talking about the Holy of Holies. So in that Holy of Holies, Jesus is serving um, as a high priest. Of course, this is talking about the heavenly sanctuary. So truly, um, this has been set up by the Lord. And the earthly tabernacle has been established by the, by the people through Moses. But the true tabernacle was set up by the Lord. Um, two, Hebrews 2.11 says that this tabernacle does not belong to the creation. So God, God is the one who does not have any cause and effect. 
So all the creation have cause and effect. So you are the same. When you begin to live by the Spirit and when you begin to live by God, you will not be bound by the cause and effects. Why are you living so hard in your spirituality? There's no cause because we love God so much. And still, you would have a bad, bad effect. Your life will, will not turn out well. But you will not be bound to that effect. So as you continue to live by God, as you continue to live by the Spirit, you will not be bound by the cause and effects. That's the freedom. So always, the one who is living by the cause and effect and think, oh, I will be, ble I will be blessed by doing my best, and that kind of person will never be able to live by God. Why are you giving that person so much? Are you expecting the reward back from him? No, because God told me to, to give that to, to the person. This is the uh, manifestation that, that you can see when you live by the Spirit. Amen? The reason why I invited you guys to this conference is the same. In my blood, I don't have any ancestor from Latin America, nor Africans. So I don't have any reason to serve you that, that nicely. So if you begin to calculate about cause and effects, it's an evidence that your spirituality is not going well. God is the one who is uh, exist, existing by himself. But heavenly tabernacle saying that it is not belonging to the creation. So all creation on this earth belongs to his creation. But as Jesus is existing by himself, this holy of holy exists by itself. So what does that mean? We don't know. We don't know what that means. But, but at least through the phrase that says it does not belong to creation, what can we know? <laughs> so it is sure that all the elements and the factors to decide all the things upon this creation is in that place. So let's say Satan, devils, who are they? They are the creations. They are the ones who have cause and effects. So those creations have no authority to rule over the creations. So him um, saying that him saying that I am the ruler of this world, this is a lie. So you should be able to rebuke that because that's the authority that we have. You cannot rule the world. And to Jesus, these devils are saying that 
showing the glory of the world. Hey, if you bow down before me, all this glory will be yours. And what did Jesus say? No, that's impossible. Because they are the beings who are bound to the cause and effects. They cannot rule the world. Amen? So look, just like Jesus who is existing by himself, this heavenly sanctuary is a thing which exists by himself. So all the essence and elements exist in that sanctuary to rule over this creation. So we'll look at it more precisely in chapter 9. All the records of humans, humans, humans' action is written in the sanctuary. So when you go to the kingdom of God, you will go. You will not go before the white throne judgment. Oh, 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 all the people who will go before the white throne judgment will see all the list of their action in their life. So they cannot deny their sins. So after looking at the beginning 10 years of their life, they will just, just, uh, just go into the hell with their own feet. You are the same. Jesus forgave all your sins and erased all your sins. That's why you are being so bold and going before him. And imagine you still having all the sins recorded in, in the sanctuary. How dare can you stand so boldly like that? Right? Are you a completed being? Are you a perfect being saying that I have no defect? Wow, then, then, then I cannot deal with such, such precious beings like this. But anyways, look, just imagine this one thing, how great the grace of God is. Erasing all the list of sin, amen? So, all the authority uh, and the elements to rule over this creation comes out from that, come out from the sanctuary. And there is the list of all the actions of human beings. Amen. It's a tremendous place. The place that does not belong to the creation. Let's continue. So, in the sanctuary, Jesus served as a high priest. Verse 3. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. So this is talking about the, the uh, Day of Atonement. So in the Day of Atonement, the great high priest will enter into the sanctuary with, with this, this pure blood. So just like that, when Jesus enters into this place, he must bring something, something into the sanctuary. Okay, we'll talk about that more in chapter 9. He brought his own pure blood into the sanctuary. So anyways, Jesus called himself as a temple he said that his body is a temple so tabernacle in every aspect of it you can call the temple um, sanctuary as Jesus but Jesus created the structure of a human being like the temple we'll talk about the new covenant later 
So in the tabernacle, there are places that we can see and there are places that we cannot see. And the sanctuary and the Holy of Holies are the places that you cannot see. So spiritual function, intelligent emotion and will is something that you cannot see. And the mind which is being formed by those three things is also the things that you cannot see. But as the sanctuary is real, so in the sanctuary there is the, the lamp stamp and on the right side there is a, a lamp stamp or there's an incense. So sanctuary is about the word. And the holy of holy is the word. That's how God created the personality of a human being. So you will talk about that in New Covenant. In your spirit, God has put his word. In your mindset, God has also put his word. So the word in your mindset and the word in your spirit is continually having the relationship, continually circulating. <laughs> so that's the most um, good example of, of maintaining the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So sanctuary is representing, representing Jesus himself and also it is also symbolizing the structure of human being. So as you live in your spirituality, what kind of status should you maintain? You should have the Word of God in your spirit and also you should have the Word of God in your mindset. So all the dirty information in your mindset is what, what hinders the Word of God to meet the Word of God in your spirit. And if you listen to the message of Romans, it'll make you understand better. But anyways, it's okay. So, so Jesus brought these gifts and sacrifices into the Holy of Holies. Okay, I'm trying to um, summarize things because we are running out of time. That's, that's how we can finish. So briefly speaking, when Jesus came, when Jesus came on this earth, we should briefly look how was the process that he took after his first coming. We will talk precisely later in chapter 9. So Jesus wore the body, body of a human being on this earth and we talked about why, why he did that. And he died on a cross and then, and then in 1 Peter 3, somewhere over there, it says that he was sent to the prison. He went to hell. Or rather, more precisely, more exactly speaking, he went to abyss. And just like Ephesians 4, 6, he has set free the righteous who has been captured as captives. Of course, he preached the gospel to those ancestors of faith. So, so in the past, in the present, or all the times in the future, so only salvation will be the cross. So all human beings will at least hear the gospel of cross for once. 
And after Jesus set those righteous free, God led them to um, to the not the heavens, but the, to the paradise. Paradise. Before coming of Jesus, there was the paradise didn't exist. Only a beast existed. But when Jesus came on this earth, um, paradise appeared where these righteous will be staying until the end uh, until the end time. So, so look, look at the structure, hell, abyss, paradise, and heaven. So, exactly speaking, there's nobody on this earth who, who went to heavens. So, if someone says that he has been sent to heavens, it means that he has sent to paradise, because heaven is not yet completed. Because there's nobody who has been to heaven. Pastor, do, can you put your life on that? I can put my life on that. Because, because G, uh, the heaven is not yet completed, so no one, no one has been there. Of course, the things that Apostle John saw, and I think uh, John went to the place where he can see the heaven outside of the heavens, the place where you can see the heavens from the outside. So when, when Paul went to the new heavens, I guess he went to the place where he could see the heavens from the outside. So, so no one has yet been to the heavens. Why did I say this? Okay, <laughs> I'm confusing you right now. So, so we should yearn and desire for the kingdom. Okay, let's continue. So Jesus set those righteous free, and then after after three days he was resurrected. And just as it is written in um, Gospel of John 17, who did he meet? He met Mary. Mary grabbed grab Jesus, and what did Jesus say? Let go of me. I need to go to my go to my father. So it does not mean that he needs to be ascended to heavens because he will be ascended to heavens after 40 days. So what does it mean that he needs to go to the sanctuary? What for what? So now Jesus has two functions of the blood. Uh, having the blood um, with 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 the all the information of the of the sin of the all humankind, and that blood um, has been all sprinkled through the crucifixion, and from that moment we are we are given the righteousness. And there, there the forgiveness of the sin is finished. And Jesus has another function of the blood. He also has this pure blood who have never committed a sin relying on the Holy Spirit. In the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, 
The high priest um, enters into sanctuary while sprinkled the blood of the lamb, which he laid hand upon with with uh, the sin of 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 the nation. And right before he enters into the sanctuary, he will bring the pure blood of the goat, which, which is never laid hand on. He will go uh, back and forth in and out of the sanctuary four times a day on that day. So in order to enter into the sanctuary, you need a blood that does not have any information of sin. What's this day of atonement, July the 10th? Until then, Israelites um, has been offering the sin offering and they postponed their judgment until then. But where does that information being stored? It is being stored in the sanctuary. So the Day of Atonement is a day which cleanses all those information of sin which has been stored until then. With that pure blood without the information of sin, um, the high priest cleanses all the information of sin. Can the Israelites see this process or not? That is happening in the Holy of Holies. No, they cannot see that. But in order to confirm this process, what do they prepare? They prepare the goat of Azazel. Ephesians 1.4 says, uh, the word that we have been divorced from the sin comes from the word uh, goat of Azazel. So the Israelites um, lay hand on that goat. They send, they send off that goat into the wilderness. So after, while, look, while watching that goat uh, being disappeared in the wilderness, but, but uh, what if what if that goat turn, turns back to the tribe? So it's, it's, it's an unfortunate thing, but it will never happen because there is no record that says that the goat has returned. So whenever this goat is being disappeared, Israelites will shout, shout of the joy, and they will shout, our sins is forgiven, our sins are forgiven, and they will have a festival. But right after that day, they will begin storing another sin. So all the, the sacrifices in the Old Testament are just postponing of the judgment. To us, it's the same. All the records that you have committed, records of sin that you have committed is recorded in the sanctuary, but Jesus uh, brought his own pure blood. He entered into this holy of holies and he sprinkled his blood and all of a sudden, all the list of sin that you have committed has been erased. The eternal Yom Kippur has begun. So you are existentially righteous. So, so you are wearing this amazing grace of deleting the sin. But practically, do you commit sin or not in your in your reality? 
You still do, right? But does that mean that you are a sinner? It means that, does that mean that you are going to hell? No. Even when you commit sin, you are existentially the righteous. Because you don't have a file of sin. You don't have a record of sin. You are existentially the righteous. Let's say he's my son. He committed a sin. Would, would I say that you are not my son? When he does a good thing, do you think that you are my son now? Do you think that God will do that to me, like, right? Because he's a good man, I need to make him to go to heaven? No. You are existentially the righteous. Even if you commit a sin, you are a righteous man. But what's the problem? So what happens when you commit a sin? There's a function of the spirit which is a consciousness. So in the consciousness, the sin is being written. But that's not our problem. Because in Hebrews 10.22, because Jesus has sprinkled the blood, and when you rely on that blood and when you repent, the list of the sin that has been written in your consciousness will be erased. That's why in Hebrews 10, 17 says that I will no longer remember your sin. So the more you repent, the more the, the, your sin will be deleted. That's what we call the good conscience. So if you do not erase your if you do not erase your list of sin your spirit is eternal your functions will be eternal your mindset will be revived and when you get revived all when you get resurrected all the sins a uh, list of sins will also re resurrect together so so we need to maintain and we need to keep repent in order to maintain that pure status and then we will uh, wear the best best uh, resurrected body that's how important the repentance is you need to be able to cleanse all the lists of sin in your consciousness the blood which erased all the lists of sin in the sanctuary has been poured in us too so serving in the sanctuary means that he has served this job okay we will continue more in, in chapter 9 so I'm just talking about a short overview of his heavenly sanctuary ministry let's move to chapter 4 if he were on earth he would not be a priest so this is something that we, we spoke before because there were priests who came in the family of Aaron how thankful how thankful that the family does not matter to us anymore what matters to us is the family line of faith let's move to verse 5 they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven 
So copy and a shadow is actually a terminology that uh, uh, the Platonism people, the people of uh, the scholars of Platon, is using. So does that mean that this author is talking about the the, the philosophy of uh, Platon? No. Even though he's using the terminology of, of that philosophy, but he's not not um, emphasizing or meaning of that. So what does it mean that it's a copy? What the author is saying that uh, in the in the Platonism there is the term. I don't know the term is meta something, but it means that the so the shadow is the word skia. So when you when you lead a light in the cave, you will see the shadow behind it that that fire right in the, behind the light. So just like that, it's a shadow. It's a reflection of the uh, real reality. That's the. That's the metaphysical. Okay, but anyways. So it is using the same word, but it's not using the same concept. So it's just comparing uh, what is in the previous and, and what will come in the final. It's comparing between the perfection and the preparation. Or something that is temporal and something that is perfect. God's time of rule is Kairos. Kairos is time, uh, is a uh, um, directional time that is going toward a certain direction. So if you are under God's rule, you will go toward the perfection. That's why Paul in Philippians said that he's going toward the goal. And if you are if you are living in the horror time, it means that you are running on a will. You cannot experience the new things. That's why the author of Ecclesiastes is saying that there's nothing new under the under the sun. But if you are living by the Spirit, it means that you are experiencing the renewal continuously as you go toward the perfection. But if you are living by the flesh, it means that you are continuously running on a will. I'm not talking about um, the theory. I'm comparing between the method of living by God's kingdom and method of living by the flesh. So when, when Paul is talking about when Paul is talking about law, he's saying that this is necessary when you are growing mature. So I said that when you live by God, you will continue to experience you being renewed. And as I said in the morning, I've been renewed for the last 34 years. Essentially, we should be renewed every single day. There is no pause in the church of God. After receiving the blessing for 10 years, there's nothing much more that I should be blessed. No. So ask, ask to Yolbang Church members whether, whether, whether their, their pastor is being renewed or not, whether the church is keeping renewed or not, whether the revelation is keeping renewed or not. It's keeping renewed. 
Okay, tell me, Mingyu, who is honest. Tell me, is it being renewed or not? He said yes. Even our son Mingyu is being renewed. I'm not talking about the excellency of a pastor, but because church is the essence of kingdom of God itself. So in, in the time of God's rule, we are continuously pressing forward toward the peak. So when you say living by God is boring, then it's a big problem. It means that you are not living in the time of God's rule. Okay, listen carefully. So the word skia here, the shadow, it means that it is um, comparing between the temporal things and the perfection, the previous thing and the perfect thing. So you should, you are continuously running toward the perfection right now. And primarily, we are seeing the completion of kingdom of God. So just as Paul is saying that I'm running toward the goal, all the remnants who are living in this era should be able to see the perfection of himself. Oh, it's over there. It's over there. I'm almost there. You should be able to see that. And even when Jesus was on this earth, he said that the heaven is near. Why did he say the heaven is near? Because all I have to do is to take it. To take it. Just take it. This is the image of the people who is in the time of God's rule, continuously taking his kingdom. You need to be able to see this. Hallelujah. So this is how, this is how the author of Hebrews is using the term pro, prototype. This is a copy, copy and, and the shadow. So he's comparing the fundamentals and the perfection, elements and the perfection. So I'm not talking about the theory. So once again, I keep emphasizing the reason why you should continue to um, continue to aim for the perfection and continue to f press forward. So in terms of deism, this is the right, um, right, right way to say Yahweh has a meaning of moving God. Baal is a God who is, who who settles. Is God of settlement. So if you serve God, you just you just settle there. But when Yahweh comes into you, my life will continue to move. If the God who is indwelling in you is not Baal, and if he is Baal, he will continue to, to lead you in a new new life. He is the moving God. I'm not talking about the theory. You should be able to feel this life. For example, 
When I feel despair and depression, oh, I don't want to pray. Then the moving God in me will never leave me just behind. Hey, Mino, please come with me. Come with me. I'm here with you. I'm here with you. You are the best. He is continuing to move. He encourages me. He guides me. This is how the moving God in you is working. So he will never leave you behind. He will never leave you alone. When, when a sin is coming, he does not just leave you to commit sin. The moving God Yahweh is talking to me. Talking to me. Hey, Mino, you are my son. You are a precious being. He's, he's keep moving. This is Yahweh. He is continuing to leading me, continuing to lead me to the perfection. But why don't you experience this? Because, because you are so filled with other things. You cannot feel his aliveness. Are you listening to this right now? Do you hear the message right now? Do you feel the life moving in you? Never will he leave us alone. This grand plan that he has, I will make you like me. This grand plan, he can boldly say this because he has the ability to do so. How great God are we serving? How great God is He? And He is indwelling in you. What other glory can be compared to this? Okay, let's continue. Okay, verse 5. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So this earthly tabernacle was built through Moses. But surely the heavenly tabernacle was not built like this. Okay, let's continue from verse 6. Okay, let's continue. Verse 6. So, there appears the reason why Jesus has shut the first tabernacle. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which his uh, mediator, his mediator is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on better promises. So Jesus himself does not have any reason to do that for himself, but he did, he went through all the process of that ministry on behalf of us. Just like, just like 721 says, he is a guarantee, guarantor of a better, better covenant. What's this word guarantee? In order to raise a person, 
you will sacrifice everything of you in order to raise that person. And in 2 Corinthians 8, it says that he is a rich man. The reason why he became poor is to make us rich. So look, in order to make us completely rich, he became completely poor. So it's a, such a great, great um, awe. So there's no reason, no possibility for the enemies to accuse us. So when I was young, or, uh, among my, f my friends, I was the strongest. So when I, when I was around my friends, they, they became silent. And they, I had a younger sister. <laughs> And I still have a, I still have a younger sister. But let's say, let's say, and there was this one guy who bullied my sister. So I went to him, I crushed him. And after then, my sister, whenever she faced another guy, she said, "Do you know who my brother is?" Then it's game over because I already paid a price. Our Lord Jesus is the same. Hey, you cannot, you cannot blame me. You cannot judge me. You cannot accuse me. You have no relationship with me. Why? You know who my big brother is? It's Jesus Christ. He has finished everything. How bold can we be? How confident shall we be? In verse 6, what does it say? And he is superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator. So it means it has a legal right. I, when I was young, me becoming the strongest among my friends, I didn't have a legal right to beat, beat my friends. But what Jesus did, what Jesus has done, he has paid all the price and he also, he also gave us the legal rights to beat, beat the enemies. Hey, did you bully my sister? And then I go and I just stomp the enemies. Because we have the legal rights. So, so you don't have to be afraid of the enemies at all. So whenever the enemies come, what, what should we do? Hey, do you know who my brother is? But they will never surrender at once. So you should do like this. Brother, he's bullying me. Then your brother will go to him and he will crush your enemy. So you have this good guarantor of covenant and you have the interceder. Why would you be afraid? So you should be able to believe this. You should be, you should be able to believe this doubtlessly. That's who he is. Or, or else he does not have to pay that kind of price. 
So it's all matter of faith. Because you don't believe in this amazing glory that you are being destroyed. Enemies, no matter how many times they fight, they are destined to be defeated. Ever since the beginning of the creation, they never won against God. Ever since the creation. Even if they, if they hear the, the alphabet of God, the G, they begin having this allergic reaction in, in, in them. Because they have never won a single battle ever since the beginning of the creation. They were destroyed completely. So what's the reason? What kind of reason do you have to lose to the enemies? So we should give applause to the Lord. Lord, we thank you. We should, we should thank him. The big brother, we thank you. Amen. Okay, let's move on. Verse 7. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. So it's talking about the old covenant. What does it mean that the old covenant, the first covenant, um, is, would have been nothing wrong? So it means that we are comparing between the old covenant and the new covenant. It's not, not that the old covenant ha has a flaw. Until a certain point of time, you need that. Because the pace that Israel is committing sin and being corrupted is so fast, God needed to give them the law in order to slow them down. So the problem is not upon the law itself, but the problem was upon the, um, the life, the fleshly life of the Israelites. So the old covenant, the law, lost its um, legal rights over Israelites because they became they became flesh. They became flesh. The law says, "Do not, do not um, steal from one another." But because because they are flesh, they consider it only as information. So it only becomes accusement for them. In verse 8, in verse 8, um, God found fault with the people and said, God found fault with the people. So the problem was upon the Israelites who received that law. Now the author is talking about the new covenant here. So it was impossible to change them with the Old Testament. A new covenant, old covenant. The law can make them realize the sin, but it can never make them to repent. That's why the religion is so fearful to us. In the church, if the legalism comes in, everything will become a law. 
the standard of of your faith will will be upon whether should you do it or not, whether should you have it or not. It will become a dualism. This is fearful. But kingdom of God is a monoism. It's not matter of, it's not issue of whether uh, do it or not, whether it's God's will or not, whether God wants it or not. That's the only consider of us, consideration of us. This is the image of the people who is living by the monoism. But if you are continuing to living by the law, do we have do we have money? How is it possible for us to do the conference? You consider your circumstances. This is all the methods of the world, the uh, dualism. So if you lost the method of the monoism, it means that you're living by the legalism. Surely those people who live by, by the principles of God's kingdom, they will never have any conflict. This is the uh, principles. This is the principle of, of faith. So if it's God's will, only thing that you have to do is to receive it by faith. It does not matter what you have. It does not matter how, what you can do. It's not me who is living. It is Him who is living for me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Are you receiving it by faith? Amen. So, so the new covenant is in that relationship. Uh, we also talked about this in this morning, about the promise and the covenant. What matters to us is God's promise. So you only thing that you have to do is to receive His promise. Then His promise is unchangeable promise. And also, Jesus is the one who is standing on His oath. So whatever you ask in the name of Jesus is, is something that you ask through, through the um, authority of a royal son. So it has a legal right to demand before the Lord to answer. That's God's promise. So do not consider the prayer that comes out from your mouth as a light thing. God will acknowledge your prayer as a demand of a royal son. So prayer is not begging. That's why uh, Paul said that you should have the uh, freedom of speech. So whatever you ask, he would even give the whole universe to you. He even gave his life for us. Believe in this, believe. Prayer is a confident thing. We used to be the beings who cannot lift our face, but ever since that life came into, into us, we now can boldly lift our face before Him. We can go before His throne confidently. So when you face the enemies, you are not facing the enemies with your own image. It is, it is Jesus who is indwelling in me who is facing that enemy. He will crush that enemy. He will stomp that enemy. So when you face the world, it's the same. It's not me who is facing the world. It is God. It is Jesus. He gave us the authority. Amen. 
Do not lose your identity who you are. This is the faith. This is the faith. This confidence. Confidence of faith. Confidence as if you can you can cross the earth with your palm, within your palm. This kind of confidence must arise within you. Something should like tremble from your stomach. You should feel the power of God arising from your stomach. Of course, those of you who have devils in you can also feel the trembling, but not that, not that. So let's continue. In verse 8, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make the new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. So I will no longer talk about the old covenant. So... So because these Israelites didn't have the legal rights of the old covenant, that's why God gave them the promise continuously. So God said people of Israel and people of Judah, but in fact, uh, this is a promise that God gave in the aspect of the New, New Testament. Let's move to verse 9. I will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors, but, but uh, ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. So, so there's no characteristic of a continuation between the old covenant and the new covenant. So to the Old Testament, Old Covenant, your blood matters. But in the in the New Covenant, your blood does not matter. Only the faith, family line of faith that comes from the family of Abraham, that's, that's what matters. So there's no continuation between those two, two covenants. The Old Covenant was given by God by, by His own will, His sovereign will. And there, there was no sacrifice that was needed to make. But new covenant can only be given uh, only after paying the price of a sacrifice. So there is no continuation between these two covenants. So it's clear, amen? So what is this author of the Hebrew continuously speaking about? He's keep emphasizing that there is no influence of the law. He's continuously emphasizing this. Amen. And there are many people who is sensing the trembling of the religion in you. You need to solve this tonight. And in verse 9, um, because they did not remain faithful, remain faithful to my covenant. In the covenant, there are two aspects. One is the contract, condition of the contract. Those who break that, that condition will be split into two. But um, in God's perspective, even the Israelites break that co contract. 
there will be there will be um, rebuke rebuking and um, there will be scolding but God will God will remain faithful to his covenant so there are two characteristics in the covenant in the covenant So we need to remain in the covenant in order to receive all the privileges of his faith, his anointing, his glory. So if you do not remain in that covenant, you will lose those privileges. That's what happened to the Israelites. And I turned away from them. So it does not mean that Jesus, uh, uh, God forsaken them. God has forsaken them, but it means that he cannot take care of them any longer. Yeah, but it applies to the New Testament too. You have to maintain the relationship within you in order for the legal right of the new covenant to, to maintain. So, so only in the new self stage you will see see that effect of the new covenant to appear. But if you are living in your flesh, your old self, that effect will be nullified. So we need to continuously always maintain the new self. Only in the new self can you experience these legal rights of the new covenant. But it's actually not a difficult thing. Because you've been fooled by the enemies and you have made a habit to live by the flesh, that's why it is difficult. But the Holy Spirit who knows in you is an omnipotent God. He has the ability, he has the power of indestructible life. So he is continuing to help us to, to live relying on the Holy Spirit. So you will have only one action to acknowledge him and to look at him. Can you not do this? Can you not do this? Is it, is it difficult for you? You shouldn't feel difficult. I even bought you ice creams. <laughs> if you are dozing off, I will pay for you. Uh, I will make you pay for the, for the ice cream. Anyways, let's continue. We are almost over. So we, we are the same. We need to maintain this covenantal relationship. Just like 1 John 5, 8. Holy Spirit, the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit must be activated in me. And that is only possible when you look toward Jesus Christ. Do not look at the world. Just look at Jesus Christ. So this is something that I say always. The reason why you feel that living by God is difficult is not because living by God itself is difficult, but because you are trying to live by God while living in your flesh. So it's the evidence that you did not live a life cutting off all the bindings of your flesh. For example, there are some of, is there any of you who is so difficult quitting 
at watching the movie, for those people, um, you would feel the time flying by so quickly watching three hours of movie. And is there any of you among our Latin American brothers and sisters who who feel so difficult watching watching football match? But it's an evidence that you habitually yourself enjoying these fleshly things in your life. So listen carefully. People like me, whenever I watch a movie or something like that, it gives me a headache. It's so difficult for me to go shopping because I don't have the instinct to um, to gain something of the fleshly things because because I'm so used to live by the spirit so do not be deceived oh living by God is difficult no there's nothing easier than living by God living by God is the easiest thing but why do you think it's difficult Because all the forces that you have been asserting, absorbing in your flesh is hindering you from living by God. So, so you need a process to loosen all those processes. We can maybe call it a training, but you surely need certain amount of time to do that. So when these forces get out of your thoughts, you will experience the win rate of your new self growing in you. You will become, uh, you will achieve a 100% win rate over your old self. Okay, verse 10. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel. After the time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. So he will put his, his law in their minds and in their hearts. So the word in your spirit will not be your problem. But what becomes problematic is the word in, in your mind. Because it is all mixed with all the information, all your thoughts. So relying on the blood, making, making the word of God to move like a double-edged sword, you should be able to cut off all those mixed things. So just as in the sanctuary there's only God's word existing, you should have God's word alone to be existing in your mind and in your personalities. You should have blood of Jesus Christ alone in you. This is what we call the, this is what we call the new covenantal state. So this is the evidence that you are fulfilling and accomplishing the 100% fullness of the Holy Spirit. So this is something that I emphasize always to the pastors in the Zoe ministry. Do not be lazy on killing or dying to yourself. You need to be able to um, uh, ruminate your your day when it, when you end your day before before God. Oh, when I was facing this person, this kind of power moved in me. 
oh, this is something that God did not want me to do during my day. You should be able to see that and you should be able to repent about that. So if you leave your sin to stay there for a long time, because, there, because you have limitations, and you, you, you leave your sin, and those sins will become hardened, and when those sins become personified in you, it will become a bitter root. So opening the eyes to see yourself before the Lord is so important. A human being cannot see himself. They can only see, only see themselves before God. So that's the reason why you should see Him personally. How tough it is to live by the world. But when you live by God, can't you do this one simple thing? Because God will do everything else for you. So the only problem is spiritual laziness. So you should only avoid your spiritual laziness. It's not a matter of your talent. It's not a matter of your technique. No. Only the laziness. Because you're lazy, your spirit is dying. So you need to be diligent in your spirit. Amen? So... So the new covenant is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Jeremiah 31:33, and also uh, Ezekiel 31:26 is also mentioning about the new covenant. Now the word of God is in you, and God's spirit is in you, and because of the righteousness of His blood, His blood is also in you. By itself, it's amazing, but all these three are clustered in you. It's only a matter of time that you will become like Jesus. So you should not accept other things besides three, three things to enter into you. So you can be like Jesus when you live by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will lead you to be like Him. Amen? The reason why I say it's a matter of time, I'm not telling you to wait for all your life. Just in every moment, have your time to let Him lead you. So I don't even know how God led me for the last 34 years. I just followed His guidance. So living by God is never, never tough. Believe. So now we became this new covenantal being. And so what's the core message of the new covenant? In verse 10, I will be their God and they will be my people. So as I always say, it's about the rule. So God became the true ruler over you. So God is ruling me with this new covenantal status. So when God rules your life, then there is no problem. He will lead you. Believe. So your life became so easy. The most powerful, the strongest God is ruling me. 
nothing will be a problem to you in your life. If something becomes a problem to you, it means that you are out of God's rule. If money becomes a problem to you, it means that I'm, un I'm not under God's rule. Oh, that person is so problematic to me. It means that you are outside of God's rule. Oh, because I'm stupid, I cannot do this. What does that mean? It means that I'm out of God's rule. So, so when God rules you, nothing on this earth will give you a problem. If something becomes your problem, it means that you're out of His rule. Believe. Just believe. When God rules over you, what, what can be your problem? Why is church such a tremendous being? Because God rules over the church. Amen? He will take care of you. He will take the obligation. God will lead us. God will make us like that. God will make us to live like that. Nothing is problem. Hallelujah. You are a magnificent being. You are a new covenantal being. This is something that Jews in Israel can never imagine. How can this amazing word of God go into, into, into human beings? They can never understand this precious blood. So, so this must be shocking to them. What's the word? Words is the wisdom of all wisdom of ruling of all creation. In the Proverbs, the word of God is authority to rule over all creation. Is is a principle to 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 arrange all creation. It is in you. Hallelujah. Then what is the Spirit of God? It is God Himself. Just as John 2.14 said, He came in us and He He indwells in us with Shekinah glory. There is no one who is stronger than Him. There is no one who is wiser than Him. So where's, where the secret of our life is? It's not limiting God's Word. Not limiting um, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, guide me. Glory of God's gospel, go before me. That's the only way that you should live. The only reason, only problem is that you're trying to live your own life. Verse 12. Uh, verse 11. Verse 11. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. Um, from the least of them to the greatest. What does this mean? Even if I don't talk about the Bible, even if I don't, don't say that I'm a Christian, the non-believers and the people around me will know that I'm a believer then there's Christ in me. Joseph went to went to his Lord Butterfall. Um, he said that, oh, God is in you. And when he went before Pharaoh, 
I have never seen anyone who is filled with God more than you. So even non-believers would notice this. This is the, the core of the new covenant. God's word in me is meeting with God's word being poured. So, so, so the power of the new covenant is being shined through me. You became a temple. And what's the core of the temple? What's the essence of the temple? The presence of God. And that presence is being shown through you. Through you. How can, how can people like this be attacked by the enemies? How can people like this be influenced by the world? You became beings like this. Without saying anything about Jesus, people will know. People will notice. The, the devils will know. 1 Samuel 9.22 says, King Saul says to David, because they are opponents, they're enemies. Hey, David, you will be victorious every day. You will surely do great things. Even the enemy will acknowledge that. First, who should acknowledge you? God. This is so easy. Even after committing 100 iniquities, if you do one good things, then God will just acknowledge you right away. Well done, well done. So it is so easy to be acknowledged by God. Secondly, who should you be acknowledged by? By the world. Even after doing 1,000 good things, if you make one, one mistake, then they will never acknowledge you. But you should be acknowledged by the world. But when you live by God, you will be like that. Look at Daniel. He is blameless. Why? Because he relied completely on God. Babylon could not find a flaw in Daniel. They could not make him stumble. Amen? Third, to whom should we be acknowledged? We should even be acknowledged by the devils. Even devils should acknowledge us. That pastor is so ruthless. Never go to the pastor. My beloved uh, comrade devils, do not go to that pastor. Do not challenge him. He's ruthless. When you go before him, you will get crushed. You should even get acknowledged by the devils. Amen? Amen. This is new covenantal being. The glory of gospel running in you. Just like 2 Corinthians 3.18 3, says, Spirit is leading you from glory to glory. In 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The glory of the gospel is being shone in you. You became the image of God. So there's nothing much that we should do in our life. Just do not limit the one who is indwelling in you. Then he will do everything for you. Hallelujah. Who should we be acknowledged by? By God. The easiest thing. After making a thousand mistakes, when you do one good thing, look at life of Abraham. This grandfather, I mean, his life, look at his life. 
he was not a normal person. Because he even sold his own wife. Is there any pastor among, among us who sold his own wife? But how funny God is. Look at Abraham. He only, he only did one good thing. Look at the stars. Look at the sands on the beach. Your children will be like this. And Abraham believed in this. And God acknowledged that as his righteousness. Ever since then, no matter what Abraham did in his life, God just trusted him. No matter he sold his wife, and even after the birth of Ishmael, he did not pray for 13 years. Is there any pastor among here who has not prayed for 13 years? None of you, right? But still God acknowledged Abraham. So what matters to us while being acknowledged by God is doing only one good thing. So it is so easy to be acknowledged by God. Amen. But ultimately, who should you be acknowledged by? Blood of Jesus Christ by the, by the devils. Because you have the power of the blood, they cannot touch you. The people who are being acknowledged by the devils, you beloved remnants, you have the authority. You have the authority. Yearn, yearn this authority to disarm earn the armaments of the devils. Hallelujah. Let's look at verse 12. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. And we will look at this more precisely in chapter 10. Now we are not the beings who should receive forgiveness. But even the sins have been deleted because of that precious blood. And as we've been saying, why is this um, condemnation so dangerous to us? And you should understand that there is no chain that you should be hooked to the condemnation. And those people who have this condemnation will experience lots of loss of the spirit. But because we have two interceders, intercessors, the one who will always introduce us to the, uh, through the blood, and we will no longer have any trial. So we will no longer have this condemnation in our life. Uh, let's say you repented, but something feels weird in you, and you feel condemnation coming in. It's all, it's all lies. So first, when you believe in the precious blood, Uh, the confession of the sin itself will be erased from your mouth. Where does that appear in the Bible? 1 John 1 9. When you confess your sin, your sin will be forgiven. So all these other manifestations is the evidence of you not living by the Holy Spirit. So the moment that you confess your sin, the power of the blood will work uh, accordingly. And 1 John 5, 8 is saying that the water, blood, and, and the Holy Spirit is one. The original meaning is that these three things are toward one, one goal. 
So what? What does it mean? It means that one movement is moving with the other two movements. Just like Triumph God is moving dynamically with one another, when the precious blood is moving, the Holy Spirit will move. When, when the Holy Spirit moves, the, the Word will move. So these three things will move all together. So the condemnation should never exist among us. Do not be fooled. Do not be deceived. Let's say if I committed a sin of lie today. Lord, I committed sin. Lord, forgive me. And let's say I lied again the next day. And when you say, Lord, I committed sin once again, no, that's a deception. The sin that I commit is the sin that I committed the first time in my life. Amen? Because you are under this influence of deleting the sin, then you will know and experience the practical um, uh, delete of the sin in your life. So whenever you make this kind of confession, you will know, you will know that sin is becoming uh, nullified. So that's, that's why you should be able to be confident to go before His throne. So this is the power of the blood that is indwelling in you. Amen? To me, my wife is the Alpha and Omega in my, in my life. It's true. I don't know no other woman beside of my wife. And if someone comes to me and say, Hey, Pastor, I heard of your story from, from the past. And I will say, Hey, I deleted all my sins and all my past with the blood of Jesus Christ. So, so what, what, what does that past matter to me? And even God does not remember my past. Why are you being so serious about that? <laughs> this is the fact. This is real. <laughs> I'm loyal to my wife. <laughs> and when, when we were newly married, when we went to a flower field, I had to search for my wife. I could not find her because my wife was a flower because she was mixed with all different flowers. But now I don't do that. Even if she is standing among the flowers, I could still find her because there is no other flowers that is prettier than her.
Okay, lastly, verse 13. By calling this covenant new, he has made the fall first one um, obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. So, so it's outdated. So, it has been expired. So, when you go to a market, you, you bought a sausage, you saw an expir ex uh, expiration date um, has passed over a year. <laughs> and the mothers will still feed the sausage to their children because she bought it cheap. Because it was cheap. Right? No, no, you cannot eat that. No matter how cheap you bought that. So let's so it's the same. The old covenant lost its power. It's same as eating the rotten sausage. So if you live by the religion, you will you will always get the stomach ache. So the ones that has been expired will lose its power. So it is saying that it is obsolete, obsolete or obsolete or anyways, it is outdated. So the old covenant is outdated promise. So no matter what you ask uh, through the covenant, you cannot get anything. So we should only live by the new covenant. We should only enter into the heavenly tabernacle. We should not live under this earthly tabernacle. Because God, Jesus himself, opened this heavenly tabernacle before us. So that's why the veil has been torn when he died. This veil was a veil strong enough to hold two elephants, but it was torn from the top to the bottom, split it. So whenever you pray, every time you pray, you will be able to go into the sanctuary. No other being can enter into that place besides you. You are the only ones who can face him. Amen. You have the qualification to see him. You are a new covenantal being. You are a new covenantal being. I have put my word in you. I have put my spirit in you. I have put my precious blood in you. What else do you need? Nothing else. Let's pray. Amen.